Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets or breast milk. If you have ever been a donor, you could have been the one to save the life of the guests that we profile here each week on the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. Here at the Milkshakes for Mali podcast, we aim to bridge the gap of anonymity between donors and their recipients. And we also offer our guests a platform to raise awareness about the illness or injury that required the need for blood products. This started with us raising awareness about the condition which has required our daughter to need blood products. For our new listeners, and as a refresher for those who have been here from the start, our daughter Marley has a condition called autoimmune encephalitis. This means that her immune system is wrongly identifying her healthy brain cells as foreign and attacking them. For Marley, intravenous immunoglobulin infusions are life-saving when she relapses, and they are life-preserving for every infusion in between. I'm doing this little reminder at the top of today's episode because when we recorded this, it was on the Monday, the 28th of February, 2022, which is World Rare Diseases Day. And we have a brilliant episode for you this week. Tallulah Moon is the only person in Australia with a rare form of degenerative, potentially fatal disease called hereditary spastic paraplegia type 56. You will hear us refer to this rare debilitating neurodegenerative disease today on this episode as SPG56. Tallulah's mum Golden joins us today to bravely share Tallulah's story and the mammoth movement they have started to find a cure for their little girl before it's too late. This is my chat with Golden about her daughter Tallulah and Moon's mission. So, Golden, welcome to the Milkshakes for Marley podcast. Thanks for having me, Kate. It's awesome yeah, to be thank here. Thank you. So, it will be Friday when this episode drops, but today we're recording on Rare Diseases Day, which is such an important day for your family um, and in finding a cure for your daughter, Tallulah. Um, have you had a busy day today or have the floods and the craziness interrupted all the activities you were planning to do? Oh, I think the floods have made it a little bit of a washout, but I have to say, uh, I think Rare Diseases Day is still being celebrated all over the world, and certainly we're seeing that digitally on our socials. We um, have run a beautiful little campaign called Show Your Stripes in Rainbow, and while there's a massive amount of rain here and not many rainbows, we are seeing people from home not at school, still dressing in their rainbow stripes. And my son's school luckily was open and and they were all rocking the rainbows. Even the principal had his rainbow suspenders on. So, yeah, it's it's been a special day for us and it's certainly been our first big day. Um, It's our first Rare Diseases Day as a charity. So Amazing. Um, We've shared some really great photos through the Milkshakes for Mali um, community and Facebook page as well and through our Instagram to all in support of Rare Diseases Day. So it's so nice to see the way that our communities get behind us and support us um, to raise as much awareness as possible. Now, can I take you back to before Tallulah became unwell? And can you just paint a picture for our listeners about what life was like 
before all of this started for your family. Um, I believe you were living overseas when she became unwell. You're right, Kate. Yeah, we were actually on a sabbatical. I was using my maternity leave uh, wisely or foolishly, depending <laughs> what side of the fence you're on. But we were living with our gorgeous little family in Nicaragua, which is a small country in Central America. And um, living the dream, really. On the beach, monkeys in the backyard. We had a three-year-old son who was running laps around the garden. And Tallulah had just started to walk and she was chasing him around as well. So we were living a fairly carefree life. Um, I was working in a little school uh, doing volunteer work and my husband was working online, which is how we were able to sustain our our adventures overseas. That's that's sort of what our life was like before the change wow. happened. And you just never know what's around the corner. We say that to our listeners quite often is, you know, hug your kidlets tight because you just don't know what tomorrow will bring. Um, so what alerted you to the fact that something might not be quite right with Tallulah's health? Um, oh, it chokes me up just to um, think about it again, but it, we were really naive at the time. I just remember noticing, you know, she just turned one and, of course, you know, being the second child, you do tend to sort of peg them against their older siblings and just noticing um, where she was at with her walking and she was she was doing really well and starting to kick the ball and that sort of thing, but suddenly her, her legs started to scissor when she would right. walk and when where she could usually walk holding just one hand, suddenly if you tried to do that, she would just stop in her tracks. Um, I guess we tried really hard then not to panic because we had no idea. You just never in your worst nightmares think that something's going to happen to your child. You, you know, we thought this is a bug. Um, this is some sort of virus. Something's up. You know, we went and saw a GP. This was also in the height of COVID in a developing country. So there were real limitations around the sort of support we could get, but there was a GP living in our small um, community that we were at and we went and saw him and he, he just couldn't put his finger on it and he certainly assured us that everything sort of seemed fine. Um, but it only took a couple of weeks really where from walking to not walking to not crawling to, to then falling on her beautiful little face on the floor and she tried to get up. It was so scary to be over there. And it is those moments when you really hate yourself for being adventurous. You really, really regret ever having left. But, of course, we can't lead our no. lives wrapped up in cotton wool. And we all make our decisions the way that we do. And that was our choice. And, and I've come through that. The guilt's, the guilt's been processed yeah. there. But it was a scary time. And, and when Tallulah Moon stopped being able to hold her head yes. up properly and started focusing on food. It was just panic stations. You know, we hurled ourselves into this all-consuming state of mm. terror. We started to contact the hospitals back in Australia, our paediatrician, and talking about what was going on, and, and they helped us, guide us to, of what to do. So we ended up travelling to the capital city of Nicaragua, to Managua, mm. And we got MRIs done and we got nerve conduction studies done and we sort of started this process where we then 
escaped from this landlocked, or well, sorry, this lockdown, not landlocked, but lockdown mm -hmm. country from a COVID perspective, we managed to get home. And that's when diagnosis land sort of started to unfold around us back in the bosom of the Australian healthcare yeah. system. Mm. I was doing research for this episode and I felt like I walked so many of those steps with you because we had such a similar experience when Marley became unwell. Um, and it's just so terrifying to see your baby go <laughs> through and just not to be able to offer any explanation whatsoever. It's just such a scary, scary thing. So how old was she when she became unwell? So Tallulah just turned 14 right. when, yeah, when that tripping started to take place. And then it was probably about a four-week period, three or four-week mm -hmm. period before, like, this huge regression sort of started to plateau. And at that point she was back to sort of the abilities of a four-month-old, you know, like a child who's still not quite able to hold their own head up. It was so scary for us but I can only imagine what it was like for her like a little girl who started to walk and talk all those things just taken away yeah. and then as you know as a mother when your child is in hospital and all of these people in these gowns are coming up to you your mm. baby and lovingly as they can poking mm. and prodding and trying to figure stuff out your baby just looks at yeah, you she doesn't does. she and she says what mm. are you doing please yeah and that was the most traumatic period of my mm. life, that time in the mm. hospital. The whole search for a diagnosis, that, that giving everything that you can over to them and just trusting mm. and hoping. And you know, yeah, you know, you're in this dark space for so long, just mm. waiting. Goes it really, on. really, really does. Um, and I actually don't know what is worse is not knowing what's wrong with your child or them being told that you've got a diagnosis for your child that there's no cure for and we've walked those steps as well um so my heart just goes out to your family so much and I look forward to when I can actually meet you properly and hug you because I feel so much for your family I really really do um, and I think that Tulumun and Marley should have a play date together as well because I think they would have a lovely time. Um, so when you so you got back to Australia um, and you linked back in with the Australian healthcare system, um, what was it that actually gave you that definitive diagnosis um, and what treatment options were you offered? Well, the definitive diagnosis came a bit further down the line and I know that um, I chatted to you a little bit about this by email it's that Tallulah was originally given her presentation diagnosed with something called leukodystrophy. Mm -hmm. um, the prognosis is more uh, well known with this rare disease and it was absolutely soul-destroying. We were given months and as a, as a result of that they the doctor said that she could get on a genome sequencing study down in Victoria, which would map every gene in her body and diagnose correctly what they assumed they were 99% sure was real. And so at that point, uh, which is how we found each other, yeah. you and I, um, yeah. 
they put us um, on a treatment plan, which was mm -hmm. plasma. And this is considered life-saving yeah. for little children with um, Icardi Gutierrez syndrome, which is a rare form of leukodystrophy. Um, brilliant, brilliant uh, treatment mm -hmm. option for these little people who are diagnosed this way. And we went on that treatment plan for a while and we were looking at getting um, a plug put into Tallulah's heart and, we, you know, all of these things are sort of unfolding when then suddenly computer says no and the information came through with this, in, this incredible genome sequencing study and they said, we're wrong. I remember on this winter's day, like August 25th, 2020, I just remember sitting there on Zoom call like we are with this, because of COVID over, over Zoom and them saying, it isn't leukodystrophy and I wanted to jump for joy <laughs> and then like you say like you know then they say okay it's hereditary spastic paraplegia type 56 and when they can hardly yeah. pronounce it and you don't even know what what words just came out mm. of their mouth you just wait and you're thinking yes yeah great they've got yeah. an answer so what yeah. do we do what's the treatment plan what's what are we going to do and Lovingly, again, you know, I cannot fault this this healthcare system. They are just the most brilliant minds and brilliant people. But the research hasn't been done on this very rare disease, so there is no treatment plan. There is no way for them to give you hope. They just can tell you this is a progressive disease. We don't know much anything about this disease. Tallulah was the first diagnosis in Australia, Kate. I mean, we, we suddenly just felt flung out into the deepest ocean on a life raft. We just felt so alone. And, you know, they, the doctors wanted to check in on us and see how we we're going. But, I mean, what do you yeah, do with that? Where do you go? And it's so hard to find support groups and it's not, you know, all of our children have got diabetes and all of our children have got autism and the amount of Facebook support groups, even if you haven't got someone in your mother's group or your school group or your immediate community that is living that journey as a family with additional needs with that diagnosis, you know, you've probably got, you know, a friend of a friend or something that you can go and have a coffee with, with something like this, that's such a rare disease there, you know, people can't possibly understand how it feels or where to go to get information or even how to support you. Like our families just didn't even know how to support us. And, you know, we had a lot of, if you just think positively, things will work out okay. And you're like, well, actually that make, might make you feel more comfortable saying that, but telling me to think positively has actually just added an additional layer to my mental load. And my positive thoughts are actually not going to make any difference whatsoever in this situation if the best medical minds in the world can't do anything about it I don't think my positive thoughts are really going to make a huge amount of difference um I feel like you and I and it was only a couple of months apart I just realized with your timeline you and I came or our families came to a similar crossroads at a similar time and 
having plasma infusion hasn't been a thing to go on to support Tullamoon, but it is what has helped keep Molly's um, brain inflammation at bay and is giving her a chance. You know, there's no cure for the autoimmune encephalitis that she experiences, but we can manage some of her symptoms. Um, that's what we use as a treatment. Um, and then when she relapses again, which is a when she relapses, not if she relapses, we know everything points to the fact that she will. Um, that's when we have to look at other yeah. treatment options as well um you're amazing well, you're amazing I think any mum who's at the helm of a family with additional needs is amazing and that's one of the things that we're really trying to get across through this podcast and I'm sure you'll understand this is that having a child with additional needs actually means that you have a whole family who has additional needs because the needs of your whole family <laughs> change and it's not just about, you know, people sort of talk about Marley being a special needs child, but that doesn't take into account, you know, all of the time that I've spent in hospital with her away from my other children or our changed financial and economic status because, you know, we're now a one income family or the impact it has on your marriage or your domestic duties within your house or any of those types of things. And I really hope that's something that this podcast can help do is to change that narrative to looking at families as families with additional needs. You're doing a beautiful job doing that. I mean, by letting people tell their stories and share their stories on this platform, you are Rare Disease Day times 52 <laughs> weeks a year. You are raising that awareness. You're raising that bar so that people understand there's that new baseline of Maybe it's not okay just to say something to somebody. No. Just try to think positively. Yeah. You know, maybe there's there's a different level mm. of empathy. Mm. So mm. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, did you have the pleasure of having any care from the incredible neurologist, Dr. Kate Sinclair, when you were at the Queensland Children's Hospital? No, I never had the pleasure of meeting Kate Sinclair, but she was a neurologist. Yes, she was. So she's one of the neurologists that I wondered mm -hmm. if you had come across cross paths with her at some stage. So um, Kate mm -hmm. made the most incredible differences in Marley's life. And unfortunately, um, she was killed in a farming accident at the end of last year. Um, so she was a big part of the reason that we moved to Queensland was to put Marley under her care. Um, and when I saw your oh. Moon's Mission Dream Team, because um, Professor Coleman sees Marley as well, I'd have wondered if there was some crossover in some of our specialists. Um, but, yeah, yeah, big love to anyone who's listening wow. and had their children under Kate's care because she was just the most phenomenal woman and, yeah, the world was a better place with her in it. Um, and I don't know that we'd still have Marley if she hadn't had care under Kate so big love to any of our families listening that were under her care. I'm sure there's many legacies like that that Kate would have Absolutely. Behind, so. Um, so we're recording this on Rare Diseases Day and as a family we know what it's like to have a child with a rare disease um, and the unique complications this causes. Um, for us it was I have a very vivid memory of being in an ambulance with Marley having a massive seizure, turning up to hospital, we went straight into a resus unit. I'm explaining exactly what her um, rescue medications are and, you know, explaining to emergency medicine doctors what her condition is and why she needs this treatment. Obviously, we had a very clear seizure plan that was set out for her neurologist, but you don't want to be explaining to people in a resus unit, you know, your emergency medicine doctors, what your child's medical condition is. Puts a whole lot of pressure on you as a parent. 
Um, and things like, you know, signing consent forms to have additional cerebral spinal fluid taken when she was having lumbar punctures because, you know, there's a study being done in Berlin and one in Philadelphia and we just want to send a little bit of her extra spinal fluid over just in case there's some kind of linkage that we can find because your child has such a rare condition that we're just trying to find another kid in the world that looks like her to see if there's a treatment option that has worked for them. Um, have you had experiences like that with Tallulah Moon and trying to find other people in the world that have families that look like yours? Well, Tallulah Moon was the catalyst for us to sort of find our way back from that proverbial life raft we got thrown out into the middle of the ocean. You know, we were so frightened and so alone that our only the only thing that we could start to do once you know we pulled ourselves up off the floor was to try to look for support and um it was those those sleepless nights and those weird searches and terrible google things that you get down these rabbit holes that i found on facebook a group called hereditary spastic paraplegia type 56 hsp 56 so SPG56 is also known as HSP56, just to keep the acronyms confusing for Excellent. everybody. Thank you for clarifying um, that. This, <laughs> this, yeah, it's taken me a while to get my head around it. But this um, beautiful woman in the UK had, had created um, a, a group. So, of course, we just launched ourselves at them. And they they were our people. They were our family that, that, we, that we found. And... In that group at the time, Tallulah was the youngest and there were uh, six mm -hmm. of us and I was, uh, Tallulah was the sixth little person and the oldest boy was 16 and it was his mum who created the group when he was diagnosed at 12. So just to even take a moment to think what that would have been like because genetic testing is where mm. it's at now. So a little person comes into the world and, and we're more likely to find an answer thanks to the way that genetic research mm. is headed. We're likely to find an answer more quickly. But that family lived in misdiagnosis world for 12 years, waiting to understand what was happening in their lives. And they started this group and, and that was really for us our connection to mm. hope and to just sort of starting to understand something about what the doctors couldn't tell us. Uh, they could provide us with some really high-level research papers that were based out of Iran where other SPG56 patients had been identified, maybe one or two in Italy, but it was, it was very, very pockmarked in terms of understanding. And then to find real people, you know, with real faces yeah. and names and have that, that SPG 56 family, that was that was a lifesaver yeah. for us. And that was also just the start of where we are now and that was the start of hope. Yeah. Um, so what does a day in Tallulah's life look like right now? Um, how old is she? What does she love? What makes her smile? All of those types of things. Well, Tallulah is a cheeky, cheeky little monkey, <laughs> and she's about than three yeah. in March. So um, the thing that makes her smile the most is her big brother, Finn. Finn Atlas 
and Tallulah, I think you know, like, you know, watching your children, when you have a child with additional needs or special needs, there's just something that automatically is born within that sibling. There's this level, that empathy that is just so beautiful and, and it makes you feel like somehow they knew each other in another life. <laughs> he just wants to crack her up all the time. He wants to make her laugh. He allows her to annoy him ad nauseum, you know, even being three years older when his brain and his headspace for plays in a totally different realm yeah. than hers. He he wants to he wants to engage yeah. with her. So that's her favorite yeah. thing. Um, and Tallulah, yeah, it, it's a life of a life of play still yeah. at this age. But she also has a full-time job, yeah. Kate. She, at two years old, like, I would give this girl a CV. I would give her a CV. Because five days a week she's yeah. going to therapy. She's going to physiotherapy. She's going to occupational therapy, speech therapy, equine-assisted therapy, music therapy, child development at uh, local state schools to get them ready for school. You know, and then if you're able, there's yeah. kindy so that you can... Yeah have some respite and, and some work time or <laughs> campaign time or whatever that yeah. time is. Um, so she's, she's, a, she's a busy girl and she's a socialite though. So the thing is we've, we've asked a lot of, you know, therapists over the years, over the short couple yep. of years, but we've found the people who, who connect mm. with Tallulah. I don't have to necessarily yeah. love them, but lucky for me, yeah. I do. And, and Tallulah does too. They make her life the hard work times. They make it joyful and they, they make all of that therapy fun. So without them, we would just be so many months in terms of ability and mobility and, and joy and happiness. I think yeah. they add so much to our family and those people, as, as, as you'd agree, they become oh, part of your without family. Without a doubt. Um, yeah, so she's got a lot of best friends. <laughs> she's got a she's got a huge fan club. Yeah, she's a happy girl. Yeah, she loves to paint, and one of her favourite things is uh, music and singing. And Tulul is non-verbal, but she makes herself known, and uh, and she she loves a good mum and a soundtrack. Yeah, good. Page. I think we've been through that phase a few times as well. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if that phase is going to end for us anytime soon, but I'm going to live in hope that maybe, maybe we're going to move on. <laughs> Something else will come along. We're deep in Encanto at the moment. So we've taken a little Moana break and we're deep in Encanto. And we managed to get Marley to go and see Frozen on stage a few weeks ago in Brisbane. Um, and the first Frozen was a big thing when our oldest was young so we felt like we kind of relived that whole stage again of going back to the first frozen movie so it's good so we have our yeah. children think that you can't play any of those any of that children's music in the car did you know that cars can't play children's music that was one that we implemented very very early with the car can't play the wiggles cd we've moved on a long way from wiggles cds in the car now but we're still at that point so it's usually me yeah. One of my <laughs> I think few parenting role. wins that I've actually had. <laughs> um, so tell me about Moon's mission. 
Uh, yeah, our moon's mission, it's the name of our website and our Facebook page and all of those things. But of course, our moon's mission was born uh, out of our situation and uh, to the moon's diagnosis of SPG 56. And of course, a, a tribute to her name and the mission that she's helped us undertake. So our moon's mission is a campaign that we're running through our charity and it is to cure SPG 56. That is our dream. Now there's a few different spokes, <laughs> obviously, within that. And, and it is a long journey and, you know, it's, it's a big undertaking. But where uh, our campaign is undertaking research in drug therapy and gene therapy and developing what wasn't there for us is, was understanding the prognosis. So we want to develop a natural history study for SPG 56. We want the next people who come along to not be left in the waiting room with a, we're sorry, we don't know. We want to have a prognosis and, and be able to at least in that moment of despair or whatever it is that we're taking on, but in that very, very full-on moment, at least have some facts because that, that feeling of, yeah, loneliness and, and not knowing is the scariest. So our moon's mission wants to change that. We would love to find that treatment soon and fast. Obviously, we want to help our daughter, and she is the catalyst for, for us taking this on. But we want to find a treatment and a cure for all kids with SPG 50. And we want to be able to connect. This is what our moon's mission is doing. And... I have to share with you something that I haven't shared with anybody else I'm excited. Yet. Two nights ago, through one of our social platforms, yeah. we had somebody reach out from a country far away. I'm just staying a little bit vague about it at the moment just to make sure this person is ready. But a, a mother reached out to us uh, in a developing country and her daughter was just diagnosed with SPG 56. And she's around to Lula's age. So to have just perhaps created that lifeline when she said, I've been looking for somebody, I've been looking for families, and her to be able to ask straight away, like, all the questions she wanted to ask. I had goosebumps and just couldn't stop crying. Podcasting, not a visual media, but it's got me certainly very teared up because I was just thinking that before, like when you think about how scary it is and how lonely it is and how isolating it is when you get one of these diagnoses and you can't find anyone else that looks like you, like what a gift for that family to be able to find what you're doing so that they don't have to feel that same level of loneliness that you did for such a long time. <laughs> That's just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gift that you've given Golden. I just, oh. I know what it feels like. It's a different disease, but from the rare diseases point of view, I know how scary and isolating it is. And even to just to have the information that you guys have got on your website and stuff so that they can send that through to family members and people that care about them. So, you know, it's not going down a rabbit hole. You've got that solid resource that you've provided and that sense of community. That's life-changing for that family. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Like that was the essence of it. It just brought me back down to ground. You know, I was doing my usual spinning off in different directions about social media posts and campaign and then all of a sudden there was yeah. that message and there was that person and there were those real yeah. questions that I could help with and that's the first time that's ever happened to me Kate and I hope I hope that yeah. happens yeah. to me many more times because that is what gives us that's what gives us the energy and propels us mm. forward mm. I think for the long haul you and I both know it's not it's not a sprint, yeah, so is it? It it's is a marathon. multiple marathons, I think. And I've had so many people say to me about doing this podcast, you know, where do you find the time? Like, where do you find the energy? Or, almost would that energy not be better invested in spending time with Marley? I think, you know, people would never say that outright. But in a similar way to what you're doing, you know, plasma donors are what keep our daughter alive. And over this weekend, just gone with all of the floods, they had to shut all the donor centres in southeast Queensland. So no one has donated plasma over the weekend. And with no plasma, there's no Marley. So I think if anybody, and similar to you, you know, without any cure, you need something that's going to help your little girl to prolong her life and keep her with you as long as is possible anybody would do this this is just one way that I can actually contribute something not just for our family but for all families that find themselves in this position and you know if that was what was keeping your kid alive I think anybody would do what we do in our positions so thank you absolutely well thank you and you never know this conversation may be shared with Mm. somebody whose child is about to be diagnosed with SPD absolutely we don't no, know. you don't. So and I would never wish it on any family, attention. but if a family finds themselves in that position, I really hope that they find their way to you and your community really quickly. So speaking of communities, can you tell me about Tallulah's Army? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Tallulah's Army. So hashtag <laughs> Sorry, Army. hashtag Tallulah's Army. Um, we'll drop a link in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, hashtag Tulumazami <laughs> was born in uh, Facebook land just as we launched our campaign. And we asked our immediate friends and family who were going to be our to join our army and to join Tulula's army on Facebook by running some Facebook yeah. fundraisers. What we wanted with that was to sort of change that um pattern that often happens with um, charities and and beautiful campaigns is that people get behind you and, and they want to donate and they, they love you but they do that and and that potentially for a lot of people in their busy lives and understandably is the end it's the end point so instead of asking people for a donation we really wanted them to start a facebook fundraiser which would be a, a no you know no mess no mm-hmm. drama and no cost to them uh, way of joining the army. So this is when the hashtag Tulula's Army yeah. came about and we ended up with more than 250 Facebook fundraisers running. It was phenomenal. Like it just took off in such a beautiful way and we know Facebook is a beast but we also have to love it for what it can do and what all of those social media platforms can do. Um, I don't work with Facebook, by the way, so that wasn't a promotion. Um, <laughs> but, yes, they, that was the start. And and since then, the, the hashtag Tallulah's Army has really transformed because 
people, and in particular little people, mm. Kate, have, have taken Tallulah's story and taken our Moon's Mission story and, and yeah. felt it for themselves and thought, well, how, how do I want to yeah. help? And this is what just gets me. Like it just stops me in my tracks because the ideas that they come up with, like the lemonade stands, yeah. lemon aid, yeah, yeah. and walkers who want to walk the world, the hikers. There's a little kid growing his mullet to fundraise for Tallulah. There's another beautiful boy who cut off his long golden locks for yeah. Tallulah. There's painters, there's jewellers, there's doll makers, quilters, buskers, like local buskers in, in Coolum Beach who fundraised $2,000 for us. Over, we, we didn't even know yeah. them. They just they heard about us. And anyway, it's just mm -hmm. amazing. Those people are Tallulah's yeah. army. And I just want to, you know, give a shout out to them because they're brilliant and they are the people who spur us on as well, you know. They're the ones that when you really just run out of yeah. steam, you realise that independent of your mm. efforts, there are other people out there making these huge efforts for you and for your campaign and that means that they believe yeah. in you, they believe in the yeah. cause. They know what you're doing is right and so it's time to get up yeah. off your butt and yeah. keep going. We got this, you know. So they're, they're, they are our army and I absolutely love them. I've never been, and I use army, you know, like in full army of love because right now what we need in this world is oh, definitely love and not absolutely. war. This is a army of mm. love and there should be mm. war. It's been a rough week, yeah. I think, on everybody's mental health for so many reasons yeah. it's just the world just feels very heavy at the moment and I think this episode is exactly what we need in the world this week because you know podcasting sort of visual medium but there's just such an outpouring of love that comes from you you're just beaming with love and joy and I just yeah I just send your family so much love it's just such a lot um we find similar things every time someone sends me a selfie doing a plasma donation um it it just you know people take that time out of their day and you know they say you know this one's for marley and chances are it's probably going to go into somebody else's body but it just makes us feel so supported and so loved and you know when you do the fundraisers as well that you were talking about it's so much bigger than just the fundraiser itself because it's that awareness raising and every person who sees that shared <clears throat> excuse me even if they don't you know contribute financially to it they're still yeah getting awareness so your message is yeah. phenomenal and it has spread worldwide um i we were linked together by a mutual friend um, who put us in contact with each other and she's kept saying to me when are you going to do an episode and I'm like it's coming it's coming I'm sorry I was recovering from pneumonia I took a few weeks off having recordings done um, but in the early hours of this morning when I was um, writing some stuff for this episode because that's when I do my best work when everybody else is asleep um, I was chatting online to a beautiful friend of mine who lives in Washington her name's Tara and she's one of the most beautiful souls in the whole world world and I sent her a link to one of your stories and I said you know this is what I'm working on and she was like oh yeah we um donated to a fundraiser for that 
And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, oh gosh, no you're such way. an amazing kid, the- you know. And it was sort of this link of this person that knew this person. And so it's just amazing that people like in my immediate circle, as well as people all over the world, as soon as I said your name, they knew exactly who you were. They knew exactly what you were doing. And some of them have even contributed money to some of that. So don't ever question how amazing that reach has been and the impact that your precious little girl is making on people all over the world. Well, that blows me away, Kate. Thank you. And please thank you, beautiful friends, for supporting us and sharing our story. It's just so. (laughs) Her name's Tara. I miss it with my whole heart and soul, but she will come back to Australia eventually. And when she does, we will go and have a cocktail together. That is what will happen. Um, So just to wrap it up, is there any messages that you wanted to give to people on Rare Diseases Day that we haven't covered? Well, I feel we might have covered them in, yeah, more words, but I guess for me, I feel that we are stronger together. You know, you and I have been there. It's lonely until you realise you're not alone. And you and I know that whilst your daughter's disease is rare, my daughter's disease is rare, and so is hers and his, rare is many. And so, you know, if we can connect on platforms like this and other platforms, then then we make that, we band together and we make that rare and unique story a lot stronger. And that gives us a lot of hope for the future to take on whatever it is we've got to take on, whatever it is. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Golden. It's been such a pleasure having you as part of the podcast. Um, We will pop a link to all of the Moon's Mission um, links in our show notes and, yeah, hopefully our communities can get together and support each other. Thank you. Wonderful, Kate, and I can't wait for that. Me neither. It would be great to catch up with you and your friend, Yeah. Our Moon's Mission, Genetic Cures for Kids Foundation, has been set up to help kids who suffer from rare genetic diseases by accelerating the discovery of drug treatments and gene therapy research. It is a not-for-profit charity and every donation made goes explicitly towards research programs for the Foundation's first mission to cure SPG56. I'll pop a link to where you can find Moon's Mission in our show notes. It's been another heavy week and I just wanted to check in with the Milkshakes for Mali community and make sure you are all creating some time and space to escape the news cycle and that you are safe and well and dry. Um, We've just experienced our first crazy weather event since living in Queensland Um, and while it's been pretty unsettling for us and scary, um, our family and our home are fine. But what has amazed me the most has been the outpouring of kindness and generosity I've seen in our local community, um, just to ensure others who have been more affected by these floods have all the support that we can offer. And it's these little acts of humanity that make the recovery from traumatic events possible. I've seen it on the news when we've lived elsewhere, but to see that mobilisation of community action here today was something that I won't forget for a very long time. Sending our love from the Milkshakes for Mali team to everyone impacted by floods this week. Nothing feels more Australian like the modern demonstration of mateship than donating blood or breast milk 
and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This podcast is written and presented by me, Kate Fisher. Today's guest was Golden, who shared the story of Moon's mission. Marley's dad, my lovely husband, Jeff Fisher, did the audio production for this episode. This week has seen the closure of so many donor sites during the floods, so if there was ever a time to donate blood, plasma and platelets, they are needed so desperately right now. Please call Lifeblood on 13 14 95 to make an appointment to donate as soon as you possibly can. And we love it when you tag the milkshakes for Marley socials in your donation selfies. And we'd also love it if you could add your donation to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Milkshakes for Marley. Please rate, share and review this podcast and send this episode to a friend. And as always, I will leave the final word to Marley. Thank you for my plasma. <laughs>